0: From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. Hello everyone and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, here at the same bat time on the same bat channel, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as the unenthusiastic critic. Hello. On this week's episode, Nakia and I are sitting down for her first viewing of a dynamic duo of movies. Tim Burton's Batman from 1989 and Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin from 1997. But first, Nakia, before we get to these specific movies, one of the reasons I wanted to watch Batman this week is that superhero movies are one of the few genres we actually haven't really talked about yet on The Unenthusiastic Critic. Which is weird, because pretty much all movies now are superhero movies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What's your feeling about superhero movies?
2: I don't know that I have strong feelings about superhero movies. They're not necessarily my genre of choice. They're never the thing that I necessarily want to see immediately, save for Black Panther. Obviously. Uh,
0: <laughs> Which, for three years before it came out, you were like, when is Black Panther coming and out? And now when I'm like, Black when Panther? is Black
2: Panther 2 coming out? Yeah. Um, otherwise, I could, you know, that's a cable catch, if if at all.
0: So what what's your relationship to superhero? Because, I mean, I grew up on superheroes. Mm-hmm. I was a huge comic collector. Basically, I read all the comics. Mm-hmm. Between like nineteen seventy-five and nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, I don't I don't know if you did that as well.
2: So on weekends, my cousin and I used to go to a comic book store. We would be sleeping over at my great grandma's house. And so this was one of the activities. We would go to McDonald's, get cheeseburgers, and then my great granddad would take us to this little local comic book shop and we would buy Betty and Veronica comics. <laughs> and it came with bazooka <laughs> joe gum. So that's the extent of my comic book knowledge.
0: Just Betty and Veronica. Just the Betty and
2: Veronica comics.
0: No superheroes and at all. the shittiest
2: gum ever made. Yeah, no, that, that gum
0: was nasty. It was
2: terrible. Yeah. So, yes, that's the extent of my comic book connoisseur-ness. That's wrong.
0: <laughs> comic book. I'm, I'm not sure you're going to get there. No, I'm not. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. So you didn't read any superhero comics? No. Why not?
2: I wasn't interested. Okay. Betty and Veronica were very interesting. Were they? Sure. Mm-hmm. Fabulous clothes. And now they were fighting over a trash ass dude.
0: Like the Yeah, day. Archie was not, not worthy of either of them. At all, but you know. Okay, what about other stuff? Cartoons.
2: Some cartoons. Uh, uh, Underdog was playing when I grew up.
0: Um, Technically qualifies as a superhero, was, I guess. He was a
2: dog with a cape and he flew mm-hmm. around.
0: He had a secret identity he had a as secret a shoeshine boy. He was a shoeshine boy. Okay, yes. We'll admit that.
2: So, yeah, Underdog, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon. Okay, see, that.
0: that was a little after my time, so I'm not as familiar with the T. What is Yeah, I can't. I can't do Teenage, it. No, T.M.N.D. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <they didn't.
2: laughs> Um, He-Man and She-Ra, that cartoon was okay. when I was younger.
0: Certainly superhero adjacent, I Are guess. they not
2: considered superheroes? I mean, so isn't
0: it more like a fantasy world?
2: I mean, wouldn't He-Man be sort of akin to, like, a Thor? Do we consider Thor a superhero? Or is Thor just a god and is his own thing?
0: That is an interesting point you <laughs> raise.
2: <laughs> is it actually an interesting point? It is. It sounds like some things people ask when they're high, and it's like, this is not an important <laughs> conversation. <laughs>
0: And who'd win in a fight. right,
2: exactly. It's like, it doesn't really matter. You're stoned.
0: Okay, fine.
2: Um, and then I did watch Batman, the animated series. That was a good show. It actually was That's good. one of
0: the best adaptations ever. I do remember I
2: liking that, and I really liked the animation.
0: Didn't you watch the X-Men cartoon, too? I think I've heard you say that before.
2: I did watch the X-Men cartoon. Gambit was my favorite in that, and I really wanted him and Storm to get together. <laughs> um, and then... Oh, and... um. Thundercats. Thunder,
0: thunder. Thundercats, Thundercats, yes. Okay.
2: Lionel and his crew. So, yes.
0: Okay. If you had told me when I was, you know, the 8, 10-year-old kid obsessed with superheroes, Mm -hmm. what Hollywood, what TV and movies would look like now, I don't think I would have believed you. Because when I was a kid, anything associated with superheroes, apart from the comic books, was crap. Mm -hmm. It was all just shit. I was a little too young for the Batman TV show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen any of that.
2: No, this is the one with, what's his name? Um,
0: With Adam West. Adam
2: West, yeah. I mean, I've heard that it was particularly corny and just...
0: Yeah, it was totally camp and Mm tongue-in-cheek. It was basically like the Monkees TV show, only a guy wearing ill-fitting tights. Right.
2: Though the monkeys was quality. And, it,
0: and if you were the person who took superheroes seriously, it was just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It became such a cultural phenomenon that that became the perception
1: mm-hmm.
0: of what comic books were. I remember his whole life, my dad referred to comic books as funny books, and he used <laughs> to drive my brother crazy. <laughs> like, they're not funny books.
2: <laughs> Wasn't that what they called comics in the newspapers? Like the funny papers? The
0: funny papers, right. Yeah. yeah, but in the those are funny in the, the newspaper, <laughs> most of them. And then the stuff on TV was just shit. There was a Spider-Man TV show in the 70s. I think it lasted like a season or a season and a half. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so excited for that. Spider-Man was my favorite superhero. And it was just bad. They barely had the budget to have him be in costume, let alone swinging Swinging from things and crawling up walls. I think they had a couple of shots of him crawling up a wall that they use over and over and over again but otherwise it was just like it was like fucking barnaby jones only the guys running around in stupid looking red underwear the incredible hulk show which lasted a little longer was kind of the same i don't know if you've ever seen that either i don't think so the Luferigno. yeah it's like you waited all episode for him to turn into the hulk and that was kind of cool when he did but most of it was just bill bixby getting involved in some sort of after-school special family in distress type situation, and then he'd Hulk out for a few minutes each episode. It just wasn't good. Yeah. And we watched all of it, because that's how much we love superheroes, but it was just constant disappointment.
2: So was the disappointment the lack of... Technical ability, just because of the time, or or and, was it just the writing didn't match what you had experienced in the comics?
0: Both. Okay. I mean, the technology was not there yeah. until the 21st century right. to do this properly. So why they ever tried in the first place, that was the thing with the Spider-Man show, we'd watch it and be like, why is Spider-Man even in this? <laughs> why is this even a Spider-Man show? Because it's like Columbo, mm-hmm. except Columbo is a good show, and this is shit. <laughs> And then also, it was the writing because a lot of these things, they either didn't take it at all seriously, like Mm -hmm. the Batman show, Mm -hmm. or they just didn't get the whole comic book world. And I think a constant problem with a lot of these early shows and movies was there would just be the one guy in his underwear (laughs) running around. Everything else, it was like the, the real normal world. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can't just plop one guy in long underwear down in this world. Like, they didn't have villains to fight. It was just right. like... there like, was
2: like, no God universe. Brooks.
0: Right, there was mm-hmm. no universe. The whole suspension of disbelief just becomes harder because it just doesn't fit. Yeah. It's just, they just didn't understand the formula. Mm-hmm. I think that was true of the Wonder Woman show. That that I think you've watched. I some have seen of. a
2: few episodes of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, I mean, it was there were the, like the invisible plane. Whenever they tried to do that, it was like, <laughs> this is just silly. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was a cop with a lasso of truth and right, yeah, and a hot outfit, right? So yeah.
0: yeah, there was even lower budget. There was like Shazam and ISIS on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. the live action mm-hmm. stuff. Like why <laughs> there was no Shazam <laughs> drove around in a Winnebago and it, it was weird. <laughs> sure, why not? Okay, and then Superman in 1978 was the first big-budget superhero movie. Mm -hmm. You will believe a man can fly. That's what the poster said. You haven't seen that. I have not. Okay, so I will admit here what we probably should have done this week, we should have watched Superman and Batman. Okay. Uh... I just wanted to make you watch Batman and Robin. So you, we'll get to that later. So you later, admit that this but... is just an exercise
2: in torture? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not really about educating me on film? But I don't, I don't love the first Superman either. And the feeling of watching it was somewhat the same. Has there
2: been a good Superman?
0: I would say no. Okay. Other people would disagree with that, I'm sure. But no, I don't think they've... I mean, Superman, it was okay. Christopher Reeve was very good. Mm-hmm. But it had that same problem of... We don't really have the budget to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can sort of make him fly, but the fight scenes were not great. He didn't have anyone to fight in the first movie. The second movie added some super powered foes, the, mm-hmm. so the second movie was better in some ways in that respect. But it was still sort of tongue in cheek. It was still kind of like we're not taking this too seriously. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't satisfying mm-hmm. to me anyway. Um, so you. You haven't seen any of the Batman movies, which is what we're talking about today.
2: So I've seen some of the more recent ones. The more recent, the Christopher yes. Nolan ones. Right, yes. But I don't. I have not seen any of the older Batman films. Okay. I have, however, listened to the print soundtrack, which is really the only <laughs> takeaway that I need. So I was fine with that.
0: Okay. Have you seen any of the X-Men movies that came in the 2000s? Uh,
2: I think I saw one of them... And those were just a disappointment to me, largely because Storm was such a dude. Like, I loved Storm. They
0: never got Storm right in in any of those movies.
2: And I just was really disappointed in Storm. No disrespect to Halle Berry at all, but she should not have been Storm. No, she um, should not. So, yeah, I didn't, lo- I didn't love the, the live-action X-Men movie that I saw. Okay. And had no desire to see any of the other ones.
0: You didn't miss anything, as far as <laughs> I'm concerned. Except, did we watch uh, Logan?
2: We do. I did like Logan. Okay, Logan was, Logan was yeah, good, That yes. was a really good movie. Yeah, I did watch Logan, yes.
0: You haven't seen any of the Spider-Man movies?
2: I think I've seen... Parts? The
0: there were there were three sets of Spider-Man movies. There was the Toby Maguire Spider-Man I never liked Man him, movies. so I was not going <laughs> to watch. He's got those. a very punchable he face. He really does. I'm just like I don't get you, dude. <laughs> um, I think the I've, second one was actually really good, but no, I didn't. Yeah,
2: I've seen parts of the one with the new kid. What's his name?
0: Uh... Holland. Or something. Yeah, Tom
2: Holland. Tom Holland. Is that it? Yes, yeah, so I've seen parts of his. And okay. he seems like fit to that role. Like it seems like yeah. it works. And then I did see the animated one, which I thought was really good.
0: Oh, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, yes, the that was fantastic. Yes,
2: I really like that.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you haven't seen the Fantastic Four movies. Nope. All, again, there's like two or three different reboots of that. They're all terrible. Uh, Daredevil or Elektra, you didn't nope. see any good. Okay. <laughs> Blade?
2: I think I've seen one Blade. <laughs> I think I have seen at least one. You have
0: you have Wesley Snipe issues. I
2: do. Well, Wesley has Wesley Snipe issues. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's, he, he makes it hard to love him. But I think I have seen one Blade.
0: Okay. Okay, and then we're up to the Marvel movies. So let's yeah. talk about the Marvel movies. Okay probably more of those mm-hmm. mostly because i wanted to see them usually. right
2: but i don't know that i've gone with you to see them in theaters very much no. i think they've usually been okay it's on cable so i'll sit and watch um they're all way too long um <laughs> and with the avengers i don't like like 50 percent of them so then that makes it even less interesting you don't like
0: 50 percent of the
2: characters
0: uh the actors,
2: well, the actor, well, and the characters, but yeah. So I can do without Hawkeye. Do not understand his purpose. Let's
0: let's, let's get to your feelings about Hawkeye. Just he's,
2: while we're here, because I know you superpower. have strong feelings about He has this. a skill. He can shoot bow and arrows. That's not a superpower. Uh-huh. He, shoots, he
0: shoots them really well, though. Sure,
2: uh, that's a skill. That's nice. That doesn't make you a superhero.
0: Okay, well, I mean Batman doesn't have superpowers,
2: but he's wealthy and he has. Batman is, like, Batman's a fucking fascist, but <laughs> he has a wealth, and he's, like, invested in his whole, you know, fucking lair and shit, and he's
0: the got, car. So, Hawkeye and, had a lair. You
2: know, a like, he's, to, and, you know, he's got the like, trauma and bullshit, so it's, like, it's a whole ethos, uh. <laughs> um, whereas Hawkeye just seems like a douchebag who knows how to shoot bows and arrows. Oh. I just don't, and I also just have problems with Jeremy Renner. So it is very much a projection of, like, I don't understand the appeal of Jeremy Renner, therefore I do not understand the appeal of Hawkeye. Okay. Same with, um, what's her name?
0: Scarlett Johansson, you, yes. Guess. You're not a fan. Not a
2: fan. <laughs> I never really developed a fondness for Iron Man. I get that the arrogance, and that's all part of the character, but it just, mm. I don't particularly care for him. Um, Who else? Who else is in that crew? Uh,
0: the... Captain America. One of Captain the, America, you, I like. That's one of the Chris's you like. It's one of
2: the Chris's. I like. And then Thor, who is actually like a fucking god. So mm-hmm. I get why he should have a franchise around him.
0: Thor's. The, the individual Thor movies are not good until you get to Ragnarok. Ragnar yes. Which I really is like when Ragnar they Rock. figured out that it's a comedy. Yeah. They tried to play Thor straight in the first two mm-hmm. Thor movies and it did not work yeah. at all.
2: No. So, yeah, I don't. They're fine, and they are they are very well done. You cannot say that they're not well they done. They are
0: very well done.
2: But those are definitely, if it's on cable, sure, I might sit down and watch it.
0: Okay, except for Black Panther.
2: Which I went to see three times.
0: I think you did see it three times in theaters, <laughs> <laughs> which you have never done. I don't think I've ever done any, that as long as I've known you. You have never seen. I don't think I've ever. You done usually that. don't want to see movies once, right? Let yeah. alone three no, times. No, I think I
2: went to see. Well, because I had to have different audiences, right? So I went with like the all-black audience, or yeah. at least mostly black audience, <laughs> and then I went with you, and we went like on the north side somewhere where it was a little bit more mixed. And, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and black, I mean, it's just it's amazing, and I love it, and. It just became this cultural, this huge, just moment of celebration that transcended the film. Right. Yeah. So, Black Panther.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. So those are all the those are the Marvel movies. Uh, have you seen any of the DC movies? I never know the
2: difference between these things. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: DC is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. You saw Wonder Woman. I did see Wonder Woman. Okay.
2: That one felt long too.
0: They're all they're all too long. <laughs> I agree with you. And. 90% of them all end with the same big CGI fight scene yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Even Black Panther does. Yes. It's it's but Wonder Woman was pretty good. No, I Wonder thought, was most good. Yeah. You haven't seen Justice League? Uh, Did you end up watching Aquaman? I know you have a Jason Momoa thing.
2: (laughs) I did. I did watch Aquaman because
0: I. I didn't watch. I watched about half of Aquaman and I was out.
2: I feel like Aquaman could have been better if they had just fully leaned into the ridiculousness of it. Like they got right up to the line, but didn't didn't. have
0: like an octopus playing (laughs) drums or something. Like how far? How much further? But it it just feels
2: like it could. Like it because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, The whole just concept of it is ridiculous. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, but that was just me looking okay. at Jason Momoa.
0: You've seen, I know you've seen, because you seem to land on it fairly often, Suicide Squad. That's part of that same yeah.
2: universe. That's another one that if it's on cable, I'll, I might sit and watch a little bit of it. Just because I actually didn't hate... Leto's characterization of Joker as much as other people did. I find it.
0: Oh, okay. No, well, you were wrong. You're wrong there.
2: I just thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. You're, you're very, very wrong there. <laughs> I just thought it was ridiculous.
0: I can't even like begin to tell you how wrong you are there. Pseudo
2: pimp or something. I don't know. It was just. <laughs> so I just, I just, I, it intrigues me. I'll say that. I don't. I won't say that it's right or wrong. I was like, I, just, I do find it interesting.
0: But uh, what's her name? Harley Quinn is good. Yeah, I and like that Harley and Harley. that movie we watched that movie too. The yes,
2: Harley, the Harley Quinn her movie. Standalone yes, movie which that was, was cute. Yeah.
0: So do you get the appeal?
2: Of superhero films? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think so. I mean, you said
0: when you were a kid, you didn't really, you weren't drawn to it.
2: No. Um, I think so. I mean, they are, especially if you're someone who does come out of comic books, I imagine it is, it's sort of an amazing opportunity to sort of see a world that you've only experienced on page Mm -hmm. and in your head be translated to something as large scale as film. Mm Mm-hmm. Particularly now when we can, you know, it can actually be sort of done quote-unquote justice. So I get that, and I get our humanity's interest in superpowers and and sort of this idea of like meta-humanity and that there are select humans walking around the earth that have just been, you know, imbued with greatness, right? right? And They're gonna, it can either be used for good or for evil. And we probably all imagine like, oh, well, if I had this superpower, this is what I would do, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I get the appeal. And it's such a huge, like, you know, if we if we think that film is sort of about spectacle, I mean, that's about as spectacular as you get, is a superhero film Mm -hmm. other than, you know, like Star Wars and things like that. So I understand the appeal of them. I think I like more humans that aren't necessarily super but are just like badasses. so I tend to like if I had to choose between a superhero movie and something like Atomic Blonde I would choose Atomic Blonde just because mm-hmm. I just like people that can kick ass just because they can kick so ass you know, like
0: normal people with skills normal
2: people except like for Hawkeye, Hawkeye. <laughs> except for Hawkeye you
0: saw that trap coming <laughs> except
2: for Hawkeye and again he's put in this universe with all these other people where he's now you're the, you're the last dude it is
0: true I mean you're standing next to like right. Iron Man the Hulk and oh Thor. I got this arrow but
2: that blows up when I shoot it. I learned to shoot arrows in summer camp. It shoots firecrackers off the end. What the fuck are you here? So, perhaps if Hawkeye was <laughs> in a real world situation then I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're super skilled. But I just, I don't understand him here. So, I like the Atomic bonds and the John Wicks and things like that.
0: We're just like, these are people... I mean, there. John Wick is basically a super I mean, he really villain. is, but
2: no, he's not a villain. He's a super villain. He's not a villain. So, I just like... I prefer the ass-kicking, and maybe it's because that's slightly more relatable. i like, maybe one day I could, you know, work out enough where I could
0: <laughs> kick some
2: ass. I could not, but... Yeah.
0: I mean, I think I think for me, as an adult, part of the... It, it is that thing you said about, you know, like, I never imagined seeing this mm-hmm. stuff on the big screen. And that's not even so much the special effects and the fight scenes and all of that, which, frankly, that's the part of these movies that I get bored with. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when it gets to that big fight scene at the end, I'm out. Yeah, You know, thousands of computer-generated characters bashing into each other doesn't interest me as much as it would have when I was 12. Mm-hmm. But the storytelling is the part that I'm like, I can't even believe I'm watching this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that last Avengers movie with the very complicated time travel plot and all of that, and it like that to me, it's just brilliant, and it's like I never thought I would see that kind of story told. Right. Um, I do that when I watch the the CW superhero shows. Mm-hmm. The Flash has gotten bad, but the first couple of seasons of The Flash was good, and it was also that feeling of, like, I can't even believe they're doing... I can't believe they've got the 12-foot-tall walking shark, got King Shark on... Like, I can't even believe they're trying to pull that off on television. And then Legends of Tomorrow leans oh, so yeah. far into the absurdity of it that, again, I'm just constantly in this state of glee of, like, they are <laughs> that actually even doing this yeah. shit on television. True, sure. It's amazing to me. All right, well... uh, Oh, I wanted to ask you if you if you could have a superpower, what would what would your superpower be? What kind of superhero would you be, or villain? I don't know which. One. I would
2: probably lean more towards villain. Um, you
0: said you wanted to have carry powers.
2: I would like to have carry powers. I would like to be a super genius, and those tend to be the villains—the ones that are like. The well, super- I mean, you
0: know, Batman's a super genius. Is he?
2: Yeah. Okay. I didn't know he invented was. all
0: that shit, you know. Okay.
2: Yeah, okay. I thought Morgan Freeman did. <laughs>
0: well that's okay fair enough
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah I would like to be super genius which you know puts me I think in the like Lex Luthor pile Um, I'd like to have Storm's powers I'd like to have Rogue's powers
0: God, if you had Storm powers it would just be hot, all, it would the be hot time. all the time
2: i would be a combination so i want storm's powers rogue's powers
0: rogue's powers
2: she can suck powers from everybody up like she absorbs everybody else's well, powers I mean, like
0: okay but if that that's useful only if there's a bunch of other people with cool powers well but i can also just kill you i can also just
2: suck out your life force and kill you
0: which you would like to do sure,
2: um, okay. it Good. could come in handy. Good to
0: know. I mean, <laughs> just put a pillow over my face while I sleep. Um, you, that's I don't all need you to you be Black to Panther,
2: but if I could have access to Wakanda and all the technologies, I would want that mm-hmm. or be as brilliant as Shuri so that I could.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: you know. um, what else would I want?
0: Do you want to fly? You know,
2: I don't, I mean, no? flying is nice, but I don't, I don't need to fly. Usually,
0: when you ask people these questions, they say either fly or invisibility, which is no. that's kind of a purview. Yeah, thing. that's
2: you just want to do weird that's, shit yeah. if you want to be invisible, and I don't need to do that. Um <laughs> So yeah, I just want to, you know, fuck up the weather and suck people's life force and be super smart.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're basically there. I'm
2: really not. (laughs) Not at all.
3: Would you rather stop time or never need to breathe? Or would you rather have your one weakness be a really common thing? What if you were lactose-intolerant but could make things taste like cheese? Or if you had the power to induce a slight fatigue? That would be the worst superpower ever. The worst superpower ever. That would be the worst superpower ever. Would you rather have an extra hand or run real fast and far? Or would you rather be a really rich dude with a super awesome car? Would you rather have the power to create an invisible chair? Or the ability to always predict what someone else will wear. That would be the worst superpower ever. The worst superpower ever. That would be the worst superpower ever.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk about these these movies we're going to watch. So, hard as it is to imagine now, at the point where Batman came around... Superhero movies were almost totally dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman, The first two Superman movies had been fairly big hits. The last two Superman movies bombed. And at this point, nobody thought there was a way to do this and actually make any money. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the guy that owned the movie rights to Batman, uh, Michael Asselin, his name was, bought them in the 70s, basically because no one else wanted them. And then he spent 10 years trying to get someone to make a Batman movie, and either no one wanted to do it, or they wanted to do the campy, comedic take, like the 60s TV show. And that was not... What he wanted. And he says during that whole decade he was told, you're out of your mind, nobody can do serious comic book movies. But he and his partner stuck to their guns. And then I think, and I don't know this, but my guess is that part of what changed was comics changed in the mid to late 80s. You had Watchmen come out in 86. You had Dark Knight Returns come out that same year. And people were taking comic books more seriously at that point. Every (laughs) newspaper in the country did a story on Watchmen and Dark Knight saying, you know, comics aren't just for kids anymore. (laughs) And I think that probably helped them finally set this movie up at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers took it on. Basically, it was sort of their last-ditch effort to see if they could make some money out of these properties. I think even then, nobody expected very much from it. And the fans, I think, while they wanted to see a serious Batman movie, they were not excited when they heard how this one was coming together. Mm -hmm. Tim Burton directed it. He was not an obvious choice. Uh, at that point he had made Pee-Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice.
2: Classics.
0: And then casting. 61 uh, year old Adam West was not approached to reprise his role as Batman. <laughs> Were people Something shocked by that? Apparently he was shocked and hurt by that oh, and wow. remained hurt for the rest of his life oh. that he was not asked to be Batman again. Uh, but no, so they there were a lot of people discussed. Mel Gibson was discussed. People like Steven Seagal were discussed. Action heroes, you know. Steven Seagal would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that would have been bad. Uh, but they ended up with Michael Keaton, who was also not an obvious choice. He was known almost entirely for comedies, Mm -hmm. Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously and Beetlejuice. Um, He had done one dramatic role, Clean and Sober, which is what everyone said, you have to watch him in Clean and Sober to know that he can actually play this part, but nobody was convinced. And I have seen this argued as the beginning of angry nerd culture. (laughs) Uh, It was pre-internet, so they had to do it old school, but 50,000 letters of protest arrived at Warner Brothers demanding that Michael Keaton not play this part. Petitions were circulated, letters to the editor were sent to newspapers. Here's one angry man wrote the LA Times to say that by casting a clown as Batman, Warner Brothers and Burton have defecated on the history of Batman and on the hopes of those who appreciate the character and his potential. So you can only imagine if Twitter had existed, then how this would have gone down. That angry man
2: has a blog now.
0: (laughs) And in fact, the producer didn't want Keaton. Uh, He said Burton talked him into it. I mean, one of the objections to Keaton was that he was not built like a superhero. And what Burton said was... The Batman part takes care of itself. You put him in a suit, you build muscles into the suit, that's all fine. Mm-hmm. He said, it's it's the Bruce Wayne part. We need to figure out Like, what kind of guy he dresses up like a bat to go fight crime. Jack Nicholson was always the first choice to play the Joker. Of course. Although he apparently hemmed and hawed and jacked up his own price so much that they looked at other people. Uh, Robin Williams really wanted to play the part. Mm. Um... The studio, when it was getting nervous about Nicholson signing on, reportedly signed Tim Curry to a contingency <laughs> contract. Sure. Uh, that would have been interesting. That I would have liked been, to yeah, see Tim Curry's take okay. on the Joker. Sure. Nicholson finally obviously signed on. He reduced his fee slightly. I think mean, he got you know $6 million instead of his usual $10 million. Uh, but he took a piece of the profits, mm. and he took a piece of the merchandising. And according to his biographer... He may have made something like $90 million off doing this movie.
2: Nicely done, sir.
0: Yes. And then I guess let's talk about the music a little bit.
2: Soundtrack by?
0: Danny Elfman. What? No. <laughs>
2: it's by Prince.
0: By Danny Elfman. But it's Prince. By Danny Elfman of it's, Wingo Boingo.
2: It's Prince. It's Prince.
0: Sort of. Okay. Here's what happened. Fuck this. I don't even want to know what this is. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Okay, so this was a big, expensive movie that the studio was worried about. And they pressured Burton and said, you need to have some sort of pop music tie-in to help promote this. Mm -hmm. Apparently, when they filmed the movie, he used two Prince tracks in a couple of scenes. Mm -hmm. And Nicholson, actually a huge Prince fan, apparently, he's smart. talked to him and said, go to Prince, ask him to write a couple of new songs for the movie. So they did that, uh, and Prince, being Prince, got super into this idea and went away and wrote nine songs yep. and delivered them to Tim Burton. The problem was Tim Burton didn't want nine songs. Tim Burton already had a score for this movie from Danny Elfman, who we
2: Danny Elfman.
0: with on his other movies.
2: People don't like. Are, are you kidding me?
0: And he said, "He said I was a huge Prince fan, but suddenly it's like I'm scoring the entire movie yes, to Prince music." You're welcome. That was not the vision. That was
2: a better vision.
0: <laughs> so they did use a few of Prince's songs in the movie, but the actual score of the movie is by Danny Elfman. Whatever. <laughs> and then Prince released all of his songs on the album mm-hmm. uh, which you know went double exactly double exactly which is number why one for you let Prince
2: weeks. do what the fuck he wants to do <laughs> if Prince shows up with nine songs you use nine songs
0: now I it's also I read an article that has suggested that Batman saved Prince's career
2: excuse me
0: there's an article on Boombox by Michael Wilkening entitled 25 years ago Batman saved Prince's career <laughs> I don't
2: know that person I don't know that site so
0: <laughs> he says it was a smart business move and a much-needed shot in the arm for Prince. As the 80s wound to a close, his record sales were dwindling from their purple rain peak, possibly because he was releasing albums faster than his audience would process them, uh, which was part of his big public battle with Warner Warner Brothers, where he ended up changing his name to some hieroglyphic and all of that.
2: The artist formerly known as Prince,
0: yes. And apparently his last few albums before this had not been terribly successful. So, you should be interested in watching this movie only because it helped save Prince's career. Otherwise, Prince might have spent his last two decades working at In-N-Out or something. You're just glaring at me now.
2: Prince didn't need anybody (laughs) to save his career. Anyway.
0: Okay, so let me do the part of this where I convince you that this is an important movie Mm -hmm. to watch. Because you don't look convinced well,
2: and i'm not going to be once you're done with this so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably not scott mendelson at forbes argues that batman is the movie that completely changed the motion picture industry hmm. um he says it is Didn't a straight say
2: that about everything oh. et star wars yeah, i'll
0: lay out the argument here briefly He says it is a strange thing to argue that your all-time favorite film is responsible for many of the worst trends plaguing cinemas today, but that contradiction is at the heart of the Batman legacy. Its effect on the movie industry was every bit as pronounced and long-lasting as Jaws and Star Wars. Some of what we love and much of what we protest in today's Hollywood can be chalked up to the success of Tim Burton's Batman. Batman was the first modern Hollywood blockbuster and always great and horrible. And he talks about how, first of all, this was 1989, the summer of 89, which he argues was the first modern summer movie season. He said it was the first season entirely reliant on blockbusters and sequels. Mm -hmm. It was, in addition to Batman, there was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Star Trek V, Ghostbusters 2, uh, License to Kill, James Bond movie, Lethal Weapon 2... And that's normal now, that's just like every summer now. And he says, The real legacy of Batman was the power of concept. As opposed to original properties like Jaws, Ghostbusters, and Indiana Jones, Warner Brothers was able to tap into the public's existing awareness of Batman and basically create a non-sequel that played like a sequel. And I think a lot of movies get made now for exactly that reason. It's just name recognition.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, oh, they've, people have heard of that. There's a
2: built-in audience. Right.
0: So it feels like a sequel even though it's not. Mm-hmm. And people go in having that brand recognition. Even, like, the Mission Impossible movies... I don't even know if you know Mission Impossible was a TV show in the 60s. I think I
2: vaguely knew that, yes. Uh,
0: But I don't think by the time of the first one of those movies came out, anyone was clamoring for a Mission Impossible movie, and the movies don't really have anything to do with what the TV show was like. Mm -hmm. It's just a good name. It's just a good name to slap on your franchise property. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was unusual about Batman was this ridiculous saturation marketing campaign months in advance of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally could not turn your head without seeing the fucking Batman logo slapped on everything. And what Mendelsohn says is, Unofficially called Batmania, a deluge of toys, t-shirts, fast food tie-ins, and other assorted merchandise flooded the marketplace and made Batman the de facto movie of the year well ahead of its release date. And again, I think that strategy is just now standard practice. Mm -hmm. To the extent where it's like, you feel like this is the movie of the year. Before it ever opens, Batman made most of its money the first couple of weekends. So before word of mouth even gets around about whether the movie is any good, it's already made its money. Right. Which again is how so much shit gets made and makes a lot of money. You know, it doesn't even matter if it's good, because everyone's going to see it opening weekend. This movie had a $35 million budget, which was a lot at the time, and it ended up making $411 million worldwide. The marketing campaign, with the merchandising, brought in an additional estimated $750 million. So, you know, we have this movie to thank for the state of the movie industry today.
2: Mm. Thank you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> now this segues i think nicely into talking about batman and robin because all of this is what ultimately doomed this franchise uh obviously the first movie was such a hit that the studio brought burton and keaton back to do a sequel batman returns in 1992 that movie a lot of people like it better i'm not such a big fan of it it is much more burton-esque mm mm-hmm. It's much darker, both aesthetically and thematically. That one's got two villains, which is a trend that plagues superhero movies. They try to (laughs) cram way too many characters in. Uh, That one's got Danny DeVito as the penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Ah, yes. And they're both just psychotic and twisted and damaged. And it's just, it's not a happy movie. And that was the problem. That movie made money at the box office, but it underperformed compared to Batman. And it was deemed not... Kid friendly, not family friendly, and most importantly I suspect, not marketing friendly. McDonald's actually canceled their promotion after they saw the finished movie. <laughs> they had planned to do the whole Happy Meal they thing, little penguins, and then in they saw the movie meal. and they said, "No, no, we're not."
2: That's that's pretty bad for McDonald's <laughs> to pass on a cash grab.
0: Yeah, so I think probably the studio made nowhere near as much money on toys and marketing and merchandising as they did on the first one, and they decided Burton had gone too far towards Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they fired him, and they went a different direction. <laughs> Enter Joel Schumacher. And, you know, how much of this we can blame on Schumacher himself and how much of it we can say was what the studio told him to do. I guess that can be argued. Mm -hmm. But his first movie was 1995's Batman Forever. Keaton, bless him, saw where all this was headed and said, I'm not doing any more of these. So that one, Val Kilmer took over the role. Again, they started introducing more and more characters. More toy more toy opportunities. The more characters you have, the more toys you can sell. So that had Jim Carrey hamming it up in full oh, Jim he's Carrey fashion I remember that. as the Riddler. Yes. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who was big at the time, off The Fugitive, trying to ham it up and eat scenery with Jim Carrey. Not quite <laughs> keeping up, but he was 2 faced They introduce Robin, played by Chris O'Donnell in the third movie. And the whole thing is just... It's not as bad as where it went, but it's sillier and campier and more tongue-in-cheek and Mm -hmm. more starting to edge back to the TV show tone.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And this is my thing with all superhero movies, and we'll talk about it after we watch the movies, but I think tone is both the most important thing to get right and the hardest thing to get right. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel like those Marvel movies were the first ones to really crack that code and get it right. The right combination of taking it seriously with having a sense of humor mm-hmm. and a light touch to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nolan du- Batman movies, for me, go too far the there. dark. Way. Yeah, They have no humor. It's too serious, but I'm in the minority on that opinion. But anyway, Batman Forever, that's the, the first Schumacher movie with Val Kilmer. Reviews were not good. Fan reaction was not good, but it made money. It made more money than Batman Returns, and it was much more family-friendly marketing. friendly. Mm-hmm. It was all bright colors and so the studio enthusiastically signed Schumacher up for a sequel and fast-tracked it. Val Kilmer dodged that bullet by turning this one down, but being Val Kelmer, he elected instead to walk into two more bullets. He went off and made The Saint, which bombed, and The Island of Dr. Moreau with Marlon Brando. Yeah. So basically a lot of good career choices there, Val. So for the fourth one, George Clooney, who was not yet the superstar he would become, took over the role of Bruce Wayne. They brought back Robin. They packed in three villains this time. Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and Bane. Mm-hmm. And they introduced Batgirl. So it's just... And we're going to watch it. I don't want to bias you against it.
2: That's all right. I'm biased against every film we it's, watch.
0: It's pretty much considered one of the worst movies ever made. And it lost money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, again, who to blame how this happened? I don't know. Schumacher had had some success with the third one going in that direction. Might be forgiven for thinking, oh, well, that's what they like. You're just <laughs> going to go further in this direction. And that that was it for this franchise. <laughs> there was There was no coming back from this, and we'll talk more about that after we watch the movie. But that's where we ended up with this. Okay, so I think we're just gonna go watch the movies. Uh, I think we're gonna watch them both. We don't need to again. We, I don't need to do a lot of setup on Batman and Robin. I think you have got the <laughs> got the, the gist. gist of what you yeah. need to know at this point. Sure. So we will go watch the movies, and we will come back and discuss them.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, for those watching along at home, both movies are currently streaming on HBO Max, and I'm sure they're available from all the other usual sources. <laughs>
1: I have given a name to my pain. What
3: are you? I'm Batman. Ah! How did
1: he get those wonderful toys? My life is really ah! complex. Wing freak terrorizes Will they get a load of me?
0: <laughs> and we're back. During the break, Nikia and I watched Batman and Batman and Robin. Nikia, let's start with a very simple question Who wore it better?
2: <laughs> um. I mean, I think by default it has to be Michael Keaton. I, I like. I don't know that there's any way, any other way to answer that question.
0: Okay, we will talk about both of these movies. I think we do have to separate them a little bit to discuss them. Okay. So let's let's start with Tim Burton's Batman. Mm-hmm. How did that work for you? It was fine.
2: <laughs> I didn't love it. See, this
0: is the part you don't understand, though, is that when this movie opened, fine was more than comic book fans had any right was to Was it high bar? Okay, well... Like, that's... It was, it was fine. Our, our expectations had been lowered so far mm-hmm. that anything that even vaguely resembled the comic books, we were thrilled to get. That's,
2: that's just sad for comic <laughs> book fans. It really is, yes. I think... The set design was very cool. Yeah. Um, it was like Metropolis meets yeah. like Dr. Seuss. It was a very... little Blade Runner, a yeah. little Brazil yeah. thrown in there. It was, it was there. a very yes. interesting... So Burton did what Burton and did. And that was his. a
0: huge set that they... Mm-hmm. This was all shot in studio in England, at Pinewood Studios. And that's their huge 51-acre back lot where mm-hmm. they just built that mm-hmm. incredible Gotham City set.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought the set design was gorgeous. Michael Keaton... There wasn't really a lot of there, there...
0: He actually for all the hype about, well, we need an actor to do that, he doesn't really get yeah, that much
2: to He do. doesn't really. No, it's and really he was Joker's second movie bill. than I'm, it is right. anybody Jack
0: Nicholson else's is yeah. top top build in this movie and it really is more the Joker's movie.
2: So for a character whose whole identity is so much rooted in like the internal, it's the trauma of his childhood and mm-hmm. you know, how that has somehow inspired him to be a vigilante or whatever. Like there's a the flashback moment and so we sort of see that but he doesn't talk much and we don't get much insight into his In his sort of inner life.
0: I mean, I kind of like that, though. I Mm -hmm. like that it doesn't open with his origin story. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a little fake out there because it opens with...
2: One that's very similar. A couple
0: with a kid coming out of a movie. Right. we think that's the Waynes, and then it turns out not to be Except we don't
2: because they're obviously not wealthy, and we know that the Waynes were wealthy. Like, those
0: were not wealthy people.
2: Uh, Those were tourists visiting New York from Jersey or or somewhere. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't find him particularly interesting in that role. I think he's good. I don't think he's bad, but I don't I don't feel like oh Michael Keaton really owned the role like that. That is not gonna be who I remember as Batman necessarily. Right. And then, yeah, as I said, I think it really is Joker's movie. I think that Jack Nicholson, you could tell he was having fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. and he sort of leaned into the absurdity of that character. The well, I don't
0: think Nicholson has to lean. He doesn't very have to lean very far. He
2: really doesn't. <laughs> um, but balancing the very real danger of that character with the, cartoonish mm. aspects of it, I think he did a very good job. Which,
0: again, is just a very tricky lot to walk. It is. It really
2: is. It is. Because you still have to find him menacing. Mm. Um,
0: so. Because that, I thought that was recognizably the comic book character, which, mm-hmm. like the, I mean, the comic, it's not like the comic was always serious either. The comic went through periods of just absolute campy ridiculousness, so like in the 50s and 60s. And, and so the Joker at times was just psychotic serial killer, and then at other times he was this clown. Mm-hmm who had, like, you know, boxing glove guns and stuff like that. And I think Nicholson walks that line pretty well, actually.
2: He does. I mean, I think that whole scene with him and his gang going through the art gallery and defacing the artwork, soundtracked by Prince. I was going to
0: say, everything about that scene worked for me except the music. Okay, I
2: will punch you in the face. (laughs) Um, The Prince music is perfect, and it's a perfect accompaniment to that character. Yeah, so that, to me, that movie, the takeaway from that movie is the set design and Jack Nicholson as Joker. Everything else is sort of fine. Nah. It's fine. It's fine. So.
0: What about the love story?
2: There was like no chemistry there between <laughs> no, the Michael re- the Keaton and Kim Basinger. Yeah. I actually saw her more with Joker than I saw her with.
0: <laughs> you, you thought that Yeah. I was like, actually, you should probably work. just go with him. Did you see how his first relationship worked though? That, that... was creepy. <laughs> What's her name? Jerry? Jerry Hall. Jerry Hall. Yes. She, who was, she was?
2: Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's right? girlfriend. Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Yes. Um, they may have been married at some point. I don't remember. But, yeah, so I, th- I thought that there was actually more electricity and chemistry in her encounters with Joker than with Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne.
0: Okay. I mean, I think we're not, you know, I don't think we can go through or would want to go through both of these movies <clears> scene <throat> by scene or anything. Maybe one way to approach them is, which, which are you just started to do, what what works and what doesn't work? <laughs> right. What did they do well and what did they not do so well? Mm-hmm. On the plus side, I, I agree that the the production design is amazing on this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, coming back to what I was saying earlier, I do think that's important. You need to create a world yes. in which this is plausible. Mm-hmm. You plop this character down in the real world, it doesn't work. So I think that works very well. That this feels like, it's not a total fantasy world, but it it's just skewed enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, I rem, and I remember having this reaction when it opened... And this again is something I just think they didn't figure out how to do for about another 20 years. It's not an action movie.
2: No, the fight scenes are sort of ridiculous. The fight scenes
0: are not good.
2: At all. Michael Keaton mostly stands there and then waits for the other guy to sort of have a break in the, his <laughs> movement, and then he just sort of punches him. It's like,
0: okay. Well, this is, and I think it was Keaton who has said, like, a three year old could beat me up in this yeah. suit because I can't move yeah. in this suit. He couldn't turn his head. <laughs> and apparently the reports from the set were that. He was a cranky son of a bitch on this movie mm. because he said he was like a little claustrophobic and just being in that rubber suit was just so uncomfortable, you couldn't move in it, he literally couldn't <laughs> turn his neck, he had to turn sideways to see something. Yeah, and I also don't think Tim Burton is particularly an action no. director. No. And from a comic nerd standpoint, that's not how Batman fights. Mm -hmm. I mean, Batman is, Batman's like a ninja. Yeah. And Batman's, you know, very agile and he's swinging around all the time. And it's like, that's not. No, that wasn't what we got here. (laughs) This armored rubber suit is not really Batman. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the Joe, I think Nicholson is great. I think he's about 80%. Jack Nicholson, 20% Joker.
2: Well, he's 80% Jack Nicholson in, like, everything he does, so.
0: Um, and, in fact, the, the producer, the guy who owned the rights, said he picked Nicholson as far back as The Shining, and he said he actually took a production photo from The Shining and just, like, colored it in with the green <laughs> hair. And I was like, yep, that's The Joker. Pretty much. Because the character's not that different from, no. from who he's playing in that, really. Um, what else?
2: I think Billy D. Williams is Wasted. What's the point of having Billy D. Williams and then not giving him anything to do?
0: Well, the point of it was that character, Harvey Dent, becomes Two-Face, mm. becomes the Batman villain Two-Face. So they were setting that character up so in, you know, the third movie he could become Two-Face, but then they went with Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> to become Two-Face <laughs> in the third movie.
2: So they had Billy D. signed so on D. thinking got, he Billy was going to get yeah. to be, oh, that's not cool.
0: Yeah, no, that's not cool. I
2: would have liked to see Billy D. Williams mm-hmm. as Two-Face.
0: All right, what else? I thought the uh, the thing with the news anchors was was very timely. You remember, he joker poisons right, the cosmetics things. company, mm-hmm. so the news anchors stop wearing cosmetics right. and their complexion just look terrible. gets all blotchy yeah. and stuff. I have thought of that often in the past few months, watching all these shows of people like recording from home.
2: Oh, because they don't have their <laughs> glam squads right? Them. They don't,
0: right? <laughs> and they all just sort of look like those anchors. Yeah, we're just, we're just letting ourselves go a little bit now. Well, what about the big, the big set pieces? Were you there know. big
1: set pieces?
2: Well, you know,
0: you talked about the museum piece, sure. there's the parade piece. Those are the, those are the two scenes set to print, so you should have been paying attention. Really.
2: Right, yes. No, I think. I mean, the parade one was cool.
0: I like when the Joker's like, he stole my balloon.
2: <laughs> but then he shoots down the Batplane with, like, a ridiculously long <laughs> gun, and so it's,
0: again, it's like, that's a little bit confusing. I'd also like to know when Batman added that little balloon catching attachment yeah, that was to the front of his plane. guess. convenient, like, yes. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is like you're just having fun watching Joker have fun. Mm
0: -hmm. One thing that surprised me about this, Batman kills a lot of people in this movie.
2: Yes. Was that, does he not kill people now?
0: I not generally <laughs>
2: well, that seems and, and
0: superheroes, you know, usually try to avoid that sort of thing. Sure
2: again, he's a psychopath, so <laughs> I feel like he probably should tell people.
0: Like he drives the Batmobile into a the chemical factory mm-hmm. full of joker thugs and drops a bomb. Yeah. So the whole place explodes. Well you said you said in the beginning Batman was a fascist. Would you like to back up your
2: I mean he's a fucking fascist. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe less so in this one than in other portrayals of him, but just the absurd amount of wealth and how he sort of uses that. And then the whole idea of a vigilante that is both unaccountable to any sort of... Authority, mm-hmm. but also sometimes works with the cops. It's he's a fucking fascist. It's like <laughs> it's
0: just, personification of police right, brutality. Right. just so without even that amount of accountability.
2: He's he's not really a good dude. Well, I thought of that in
0: the in the very first scene. So those the two muggers mug that family. And steal their shit, and then Batman catches up with them on top of a roof. Mm -hmm. Pretty much totally brutalizes them, and then it didn't help the the family didn't get their stuff back. No, it wasn't. He didn't prevent the crime. He just went and he beat these guys up because he wanted them to spread the word that
2: Batman's in town. Okay. And those were. I think the makeup department went a little too far on yes, those indeed. two yes, gentlemen.
0: On everybody in this. Because movie.
2: they just had all kinds of like herpes sores <laughs> all over their face, <laughs> and just I was just like, are, is, are the streets that hard? You're looking at we're like those were some rough looking gentlemen. <laughs> so yeah, it was just it seemed a little bit much.
0: <laughs> okay, sounds like we don't have a lot to say about this. There wasn't
2: really anything to say about it. It wasn't spectacularly good. It wasn't spectacularly bad. It was fine. It was a passable Batman movie. It wasn't painful to watch, but there wasn't really anything there to, like, mine to talk about. It's like, well, Keaton wasn't given a whole lot. He was fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Vicki Vale as a character, I mean, she wasn't totally one note, but didn't have a whole lot to do other than, like, react to the craziness that's going on around her. As I said, you know, the Joker really was the sort of the heart of the film, so you either enjoy him or you don't. And that the I think the movie lives or dies on Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker. Mm-hmm. There isn't much to talk about in terms of action and fight scenes because it really was Keaton standing there and doing the least amount of moving <laughs> he could possibly do while still making it look plausible that he beat someone in a fight. <laughs>
0: Two or three times when he beats someone, it's because they run into his fist. Right. He's, he's That's what I'm saying, he just literally doesn't there, move, he just holds up his fist while the thug runs the into it. the person
2: sort of takes a break in all this stuff shit that they're doing, and he just punches them. So it's sort of like Homer in the ring, just sitting there being punched until the other person sort of tires out, and then he's like, okay, now I can punch you and knock you down.
0: Speaking of The Simpsons, did you catch the the Simpsons reference? Oh, it's not a Simpsons reference, it's the other way around, but...
2: Oh, the mirror? Yes. The, yes. <laughs> Where it's Lisa when she
0: gets her braces. Lisa when she gets her Mirror! <laughs>
2: So, yeah, I think stylistically mm. it's on point. I think tonally it's on point for the most part. I just don't think that there's a lot of substance there beyond that. Okay. I think some of the the sort of character work that we see in later Marvel and DC films is partially what's lacking in this version of Batman.
0: Yeah, and this is actually, I mean, you said you don't know the difference between Marvel and DC. I always have to be reminded. That that to me is, content-wise, the difference is that, and this was true in the comics, it's true in the movies, the, the line you hear is, Marvel is about normal people who dress up like gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And DC is about gods who dress up like normal people. Mm-hmm. So the Marvel characters always tended to be more human first. They were like Peter Parker is yeah. a normal kid who gets bullied and he's he has money problems and he has girlfriend problems and it's, he's just a character who sometimes puts on this costume and pretends to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Whereas the DC characters, like Batman is Batman. Yeah. And sometimes he pretends to be Bruce Wayne. Superman pretends to be Clark Kent, but he's Superman. Right. So to me, just on a character level, they're not as interesting.
2: But I feel like Batman should be, because Batman, like, that's a choice. Superman didn't make a choice. Right. Superman Superman, Superman is actually a god. Right. And has to pretend to be human in order to, you know, maintain anonymity or whatever. Batman made a choice, like, he saw his parents murdered, and his choice was, okay, I need to be a vigilante. Right,
0: but he was never a normal person. It's like, from the time his parents were killed, Mm -hmm. he basically became this dark avenger of death. And turned into Batman.
2: Sure. But it was, I don't imagine that was an immediate switch. And like, there Bruce, had be an Bruce evolution Wayne, there.
0: it's like Playboy Millionaire Bruce Wayne, isn't is it? literally like a role that he plays. He pretends to be this drunken, right. socializing playboy. Um, there really isn't much, at least, I mean, I haven't read the comics in many, many years. But there was never much to the character of Bruce Wayne himself. Mm-hmm. It was just, that's who... Batman had to pretend to be to function in society. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I get that. But the, so then it makes him and Joker, though, pretty much two sides of the same coin. Like, those are two... Right,
0: that's, that's the story of Batman and Maniacs, Joker. Maniacs, basically. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they say at the end of the movie, Joker's like, you made me. And mm. Batman's like, you made me first. Which is, by the way, that's a, that was a controversial revision. Uh, oh,
2: was that not the way it went down Joker,
0: Joker did not kill Batman's parents. Mm. No, some random thug named Joe Chill. Joe Chill. Joe Chill. His name was killed Batman's parents. So this was this was Tim Burton's idea to mm. to tie the story more nice together. Thing. Okay, let's yeah. let's move on to the superior. No, what? No. <laughs> no. Batman and Robin.
3: I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is
1: why Superman works alone. world at risk. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish.
3: Just what I had in mind. Everything dead on Earth except us. Yes. Girl of my dreams. Come join me. Forget the geriatric bat. A partnership.
1: Robert, no! In crisis reckless and you almost got killed by freeze tonight
3: all you could think about was poison ivy
1: <laughs> how are we supposed to work together if you won't trust me
3: a family in conflict and then i go after freeze and ivy
1: alone <laughs> she loves me and not you and it's driving you crazy one kiss she wants to kill you dick it's my rules to keep us alive and you will abide by them <laughs> you must learn to trust him for that is the nature of feminine <laughs> A legacy in danger. But I shan't be here forever. Alfred's not sick, he's dying. I can't believe it. I spend my entire life trying to beat back death. <laughs> but I can't, can I? None of us can. When Venom meets Vengeance, <laughs> Justice cannot fight alone.
3: Suit me up, Uncle Alfred. <laughs>
1: I'm asking you, friend, partner, brother. Will you help
3: me? Arnold Schwarzenegger, George
1: Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone. A Joel Schumacher film. Strength now. Partners. Partners. Courage always. Partners. Family above all. Batman and Robin.
2: So where the Keaton version was fine, Uh the Clooney version is everybody should just be ashamed, (laughs) just embarrassed. They should be lobbying IMDB to get it scrubbed from their (laughs) profiles. It's so bad.
0: I mean, I do do think if we had watched, and we weren't going to do this, watched like all four movies, I do think it's a steady progression and you can see how it happens. Mm -hmm. Because even in the first one, there's stuff that's, again, just walking that fine line of being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then you just inch a little further over that line and then you lose sight of the line altogether. Now it is, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to make this pun, it's bad shit. Nice. It's really bad. Yeah.
2: It's pretty terrible on every level where Batman, you know, Burton had great production design. This one is like some weird day glow rave, <laughs> tacky. Like it's just so much. and
0: Everything is neon glowing But it, and it, bright and it is bad. But it just
2: makes the badness that much clearer because like, it's like, oh, you need to dim the lights in here because it is <laughs> rough. It looks rough in here. Um, so that was just... It was assaultive to just watch it yes. because there's just way too much going on. And it's almost like they're trying to distract you from the fact that it's shit, but it's just...
0: And and the terrifying thing <laughs> is the visuals are the best part of uh, that movie. That is a shame. Because then characters start opening their mouths and talking.
2: And it's all puns, and so it seems like it's more of a pendulum shift back to what you were talking about with the the original television show with Adam West, where it was just sort of puns and silly. Mm-hmm. This is they are all talking in puns, particularly Mister F- Doctor Freeze. It doctor it, Freeze it, or Mister
0: Freeze. Mi- he is a doctor, <laughs> but it's Mister Freeze.
2: <laughs> okay, he gave himself the most. So I guess
0: his secret identity is Doctor Freeze, uh-huh. and then the the villain is Mister Freeze. Freeze. Okay, so let's talk about Mister Freeze for a second. <sighs> So, if you asked any comic book fan who should play Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. and there were rumors he was up for it, and apparently he wasn't really, but they would almost all say Patrick Stewart.
1: Mm. Sure, I can see okay.
0: that. <laughs> So then we get Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the opposite, yeah. Who, Arnold was paid $25 million oh dollars for this movie. Wow. Which is about a million dollars per minute of screen time that he's, that he's on screen. You know what, good
2: for him. Well done, sir.
0: I think it was. I read Chris O'Donnell, who plays Robin, said something to the effect of, like, I never met Arnold while working on this movie. <laughs> like, I was not in the same room with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, Arnold came in, did whatever he him. was doing. He can't talk. Like, he. No. And I don't know which came first. I have to assume that. We keep coming back to the Simpsons, but Rainier
2: Wolfcastle.
0: Rainier Wolfcastle playing.
2: <laughs> Radioactive Man.
0: Radioactive Man, yes. <laughs> Where they try to get him to say "up and at them." Up, um. up and at them. Up and at them. <laughs> it's just like so. You have these horrible, horrible puns, mm-hmm. one after the other. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not sending me to the cooler. Yeah,
1: it's not good.
0: Which would be bad if I mean Patrick Stewart would not have ended up in this movie in the first place. But had he, yes. there's still bad lines. There's yes. no way anyone could deliver those lines the well. The Iceman cometh. And then having Arnold Schwarzenegger, with his you know mangled English and his absolute lack of comic timing, mm-hmm. try to deliver them, it's painful.
2: Yeah, it's pretty bad.
0: But then it's like everybody in the movie plays down to that level. Yes. You want to talk about Uma?
2: So here's the thing. <laughs> Uma at least committed.
0: That's she what was I'm like, like <laughs> that's what I'm saying it's like everybody but they committed to badness. No, but
2: I I think she committed in a way that like George and Chris and others didn't. <laughs> Uma was like, "Okay, this is ludicrous, so I'm going to be ludicrous." Like first of all, and I get it, superhero and villain origin stories aren't necessarily supposed to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing of like, "Oh, some chemicals dropped on her and then some snakes bit her." <laughs> Enough to, like, erode the ground underneath her, so she fell underground. Uh-huh, yeah. And over some period of time emerges as Poison Ivy, the different sort of weird accent, and <laughs> apparently blood of aloe and skin of... Like, what the fuck is this? I just... And a full blowout of red, beautiful hair. I just don't understand how...
0: All this, right, because like, she's sort of this mousy right, little scientist. Like,
2: that didn't do Which that. is the
0: exact same thing they did with Catwoman, the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Yes, Woman.
2: yes, because I've seen that scene where she just is like, cats start crawling all over her, and then all of a sudden she's Catwoman. <laughs> Like I just don't understand. And and
0: more like sexually confident and everything after this transformation. It's very odd. Yeah, it's
2: very odd to me. But yes, yeah, so Uma at least, is like okay, we're gonna go batshit crazy with this. Then they have her dancing in a weird ape suit.
0: <laughs> that that is a weird. Like there's it's weird shit in this. Scene. That is a weird homage to like a Marlena Dietrich movie okay, where she's wearing a gorilla suit and doing a dance and then she peels it off and she's like it's just uh, this random shit in this movie
2: yeah it's odd and then she just spends the whole movie like blowing cocaine on people and I'm just (laughs) like okay I don't (laughs) understand I don't understand at all
0: which is a pretty good metaphor for the movie
2: it is like everybody was high as shit because but she did get some (laughs) of the bit like when she confronts Bruce Wayne at his like unveiling of his big-ass telescope she basically calls him an instrument of the police,
0: which I think is right. Very <laughs> right. good.
2: I do not understand how freezing the earth makes it hospitable for plants.
0: It sounded like the plan was to just to kill everything on Earth and start over. I think, but that
2: they were. Was... But it was. Like he was going to freeze it first, and then her plants would like plants don't typically thrive <laughs> through ice. So I was just a little bit confused how that was going to work. Okay, fair. Again, I don't know how much sense I should be trying to make out of any of this. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Clooney he's is not... bored. You can tell Clooney knows that he's in a shitty movie, yeah, and he's he just, just like, bored. I'm just going to say my lines, yeah. and I'm going to try to get out of this. He wasn't interesting With at all. the least amount of embarrassment possible. And, you know, you're right. Like, maybe Uma gets credit for... Your, Uma very clearly said, okay, if this is what they want, mm-hmm. I'm going to give mm-hmm. it to them, and I'm going to go as campy and as silly as possible. And, yeah, Clooney barely showed up. No. Clooney was like, there was, he was, okay, this was a mistake. I'm going to take the check, and I'm just right. going to walk through this. And try not to humiliate myself. It's such a weird movie.
2: It's just, it's just not good. It's not. I mean, the just even the opening. I was out after that because it's that suiting up montage with Clooney and Chris O'Donnell, (laughs) where they're putting on their respective gear. And it's like weirdly fetishistic yeah. and close-ups of the cod piece and close-ups <laughs> of the butt and, cl- and I'm just close like, close up what of
0: the, the bat nipples. Is
2: going on? And then you have the Batmobile, which has now been tricked out to have like a head that's spinning and lights up and that's very phallic <laughs> and odd and I I just don't, I was like, okay I'm already like not into this at all because it's, this is clearly not going to be for me.
0: And then we go into this like hockey, street yep. hockey snowboard, there's this like extreme sports thing that's mm-hmm. happening throughout this movie and again is it schumacher thought that's what the kids like we have the motorcycle races with a weird cameo by coolio Coolio. (laughs) i don't know what that was about but there's all this snowboarding and skating and stuff going on in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah it's painful to watch
2: it really is I, yeah, I don't, one, I don't really understand the science of, like, he needs diamonds to power his ice suit. I just, again, I don't, I shouldn't be asking these questions, but I'm just like, I don't understand that.
0: Um, I mean, I think, I think these are fair questions.
2: But also, you built it, so, like, why would you build a suit that depends on diamonds?
0: (laughs) Seems like you're setting yourself up for some trouble there.
2: But, yeah, I mean, he froze, that whole first set piece, he froze over, I guess, was a museum of some sort, because there is a giant dinosaur in there. Yes, that's right. That then becomes...
0: What killed the dinosaurs?
2: The Ice Age, which, nope. Um, (laughs) So it was just, like, it just looks like a bad theme park ride or something. And maybe that is, like, the Disneyfication of it and the needing to market it and make it some, but it's just, it's just silly. And it's not silly enough to be enjoyable. It's just silly bad. And then you have... Mr Freeze escaping in some sort of rocket that apparently has surfboards on the side. <laughs> oh god. That <laughs> Batman and Robin then surf the air?
0: I think they were just doors. I don't think they were supposed to be anything. I think they were just, just the doors of the thing that they then surf down on.
2: But so again like that no that doesn't happen and you that doesn't make any sense and it was just bad. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't even understand who this movie was for. Maybe it, kids
2: liked it. I don't know.
0: But, I mean, kids, then there's all this weird sexual stuff with poison ivy in it. Yeah. Who, except for Joel Schumacher, this movie was for? I have no idea. <laughs> and I don't even know if he enjoyed it. Oh, you haven't talked about, let's see, let's talk about Robin.
2: Is there anything to talk about?
0: <laughs> He's a dick. Alfred calls him Master Dick.
2: I don't I think I don't like Chris O'Donnell. I think that's part of, like for, I feel like I remember Is not there liking. Is still him. A Chris, I don't
0: know. if Chris O'Donnell still has a career. He, I have nobody's no idea. doing these days. I feel like
2: I saw him in something and decided that I didn't like him a long time ago. But I mean, yeah, he does come off as a little bratty and snotty and whiny. And then the scene with him where he goes to Poison Ivy's lair mm-hmm. in what we think, or at least we're supposed to think, he's you know under her spell and he's going to fall for her. But in actuality, he has a plan to you know get information out of her or whatever. So her whole thing is, like, she kisses people to kill them. Mm -hmm. So he's there, and they're, you know, getting ready to kiss, and he has, it looks as if he's eaten a bucket of fried chicken. (laughs) (laughs) So it's clearly, he's done something with his lips so that he won't be affected by her poison, but are we not supposed to know that? Or, like, does she not recognize, because it's just, like, glossy. (laughs) Like, so... (laughs) so blonde. And I was so distracted like, okay, she doesn't notice that his lips look like he just smeared butter all over his face, but they were like rubber lips to protect him from the poison, which again, it's just who invented that and why did we need it? I just don't. It's all dumb. It's just badly done. Can we talk about vats?
0: Uh, I guess we can. Sure.
2: Why are there so many vats?
0: Oh, vats. I yes. thought you said bats.
2: No, vats. <laughs> It seems well, like. You talk
0: about both or either. There are
2: a lot of vats in superhero films of just like toxic liquid just around all the time.
0: Yeah, and they're always open so that people can fall right. into them and become somehow.
2: Never to kill them, which <laughs> is what would happen. You would die. No, no. Just enough to disfigure you. In the you. case of the Joker,
0: it turns your skin white, turns your hair, hair green, green, and makes you crazy.
2: Right, and gives you a big smile, which what? <laughs> Uh, so, right, it's never enough to kill you, just enough to disfigure you, and to, like, elevate the worst parts of your personality or something. So I just don't, like, why are there so many vats? <laughs> Mr. Freeze fell into a vat. He,
0: he did, yes.
2: Harley Quinn falls into a vat.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> to be fair, Harley Quinn falls into the same vat the Joker fell into, so that's, that's, you know, I
2: don't why there's so many that's vats. only one vat. <laughs> are they just the convenient device of, like, okay, it's a vat of toxic fluid, and this will... Answer that question. Pretty much. Okay, I don't get the thing with the vats. <laughs> there, there are too many vats. Like,
0: too many vats. Too many vats. Batman. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Why are we always in an industrial space with vats of toxic sox- liquid? I don't understand. but.
0: You were not moved by the tragic uh, Mr. Freeze story?
2: So here's the one moment that Arnold almost sells. <laughs> When he's locked up in Gotham and... In, Ar-
0: in Arkham. Arkham, whatever mm. the hell.
2: And then he makes like a makeshift sort of... Snuggle. That's an actually really sweet little moment. Little I moment. thought that Where too. Where he carves a little figurine of his wife and uses M- Makes clock. a little
0: music box out of it. And he's
2: sort of under this light and it's a quiet... Like he's not saying anything. It's a yep. very quiet moment.
0: No, I had the exact same reaction That's to that. That's the I was only like, time. That's actually a nice little moment in this movie.
2: Everything else is trash. <laughs> <laughs> other than that one little moment.
0: Uh, let's see, what we had the, the very emotional story of Alfred's impending demise.
2: Conveniently <laughs> from the same disease that, that is has killed Doc, Mr. Freeze's wife. Yeah.
0: They couldn't they couldn't even just go ahead and kill Alfred, which at least would have been something here.
2: <sighs> he just magically gets better because Mr. Freeze carries around the
0: serum to He happens to have that serum in his forearm. Why was he carrying that around know. in his forearm?
2: And also you could have got funding for that.
0: <laughs> like you
2: didn't have to become an evil genius. So, like you could have got money to like that's. You're basically working on cancer, and you're like, I couldn't get money, so I have to become this evil, and I'm gonna have to freeze the city. No, Maybe. what was he gonna do? How was he gonna get the money? Uh, I don't even know how that was gonna result in him getting money for his work.
0: I that's. I and think, again, I think he was gonna freeze the, the s- fucking
2: suit. Lives <laughs> off of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> you got diamonds. Well, I I don't understand. Is this a statement about a need to fund the sciences? Okay. Yes, we do. Obviously, this disease is common enough that two people in the same movie have it, but you can't get funding to figure out. But you, I don't understand. I just didn't understand. This. I didn't understand anybody's motivation. I don't understand how any of the science works. I don't know why there's so many fucking bats. I don't. I just tapping out. Tapping out. Why did? She emerged from a Venus flytrap, but that's the thing that also killed her. I don't understand.
0: That's a, which the Venus flytrap eats her at the end, and you're like, didn't she just? Come she out came of out, that? out
2: of it. It birthed her, and then it ate her. And I'm so I'm confused. <laughs> you no,
0: know. oh, Kayla, you want you want to talk about Batgirl?
2: There's nothing to talk about there. <laughs> that was such an insignificant like for what
0: I. More toys. <laughs> That's the only thing I can figure. And all of these characters change costumes about nine times in this movie. They sell different versions of the toys. The, the very last scene, the big fight, the big climax of the movie, that girl shows up. And Batman and Robin have already been fighting Mr. Freeze. And then in the very next scene, all three of them are wearing matching outfits. Like, when did you change your outfit? Family. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you can sell more toys than yours. Yeah. this costume. You so apparently, costume. she
2: was in prep school in London but got kicked out because she was racing, which. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she comes to see her uncle, Alfred, and then steals bikes and does racing that Coolio hosts. <laughs> In the Mean Streets of Gotham. Does he even say anything?
0: I don't think so. I don't think Coolio has a line.
2: <laughs> uh, but then Alfred basically tells her everything that's mm-hmm. going on. And so she becomes Batgirl. Which, in both these movies, that's like the not-so-secret secret. Like, he just shows Vicki Vale into the Batcave. He's like, here, he's right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Alfred's not good at Isn't keeping this secrets movie in these secret? movies. Alfred just makes, like, unilateral decisions <laughs> that when people need to know who Batman is.
2: So, yes, yeah, she becomes Batgirl. <laughs> Which I hate that name. It's just so silly. And has her big fight with Poison Ivy because you have to have the two girls fight. The two girls
0: fight, right.
2: Yeah, it's pointless.
0: Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Okay. Okay, so she was fresh off of Clueless, Mm. which had been this big surprise hit. It had made her... You know, an A-list star out of nowhere. She was 18 years old. Yeah. She was... And Hollywood became obsessed with her and thought she was going to be the next big thing. They, like, handed her a three-picture production mm-hmm. contract where she could, like, produce her own movies. She was the the it girl of the moment. Mm-hmm. She had been signed to be to play Batgirl in this movie, and everyone was very excited about that. And then she showed up to present an, an award at the Oscars, and she had gained a few pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, not... She didn't gain 50 pounds. She gained sure. 10 pounds. And the press did what the press does with an actress who has put on any visible weight. Right. And tore her apart. And... Hollywood is freaking out. All these articles were, you know, like, they just signed her to this major contract, and now she's blimping up, basically, is like, all this shit that they were writing about her. One of the New York tabloids quoted an unnamed Hollywood executive as saying, a lot of people say Alicia has a good head on her shoulders, but it's much more important that she keep a good body below her shoulders. Oh, my God. Right? And then, of course... Fat Girl was the joke
1: oh, no. that was coming
0: out of this. The next movie she was scheduled to do, unfortunately, was called Excessive Baggage. That didn't help either. Oh. like So this was suddenly became the narrative of Alicia Silverstone's career. When she showed up on this movie, uh, Schumacher reportedly ordered her to lose 20 pounds before she put on the suit. The guy who drew storyboards for the production uh, apparently drew a cruel cartoon of her and put it up in the production offices. I will link to this odious object in the show notes. I'll show it to you.
2: Oh, that's fucked up.
0: It shows a woman being... It's a cartoon of a woman being stuffed. Super
2: cinched into a... Super cinched into the
0: Batgirl outfit to the point where she can't breathe, flailing her arms around. Because they were all like, how can she possibly wear the superhero outfit now? She's gained five pounds. So, yeah, she has said this was not her best experience working on this movie. And it's one of the. I mean, you and I talk a lot about, it's like, in how inevitably the whatever happened to conversation right.
2: it's because you, in relation to yeah. women
0: is they, they, were, were treated they were sexually harassed, they were assaulted, they were chewed up and spat out mm-hmm. by the Hollywood machine in some horribly sexist way. And it's like that, she was the biggest thing in the world coming out of Clueless, and then this is kind of what happened.
2: That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, if she didn't look like she was having fun on this movie, I'm guessing that was part of the story there.
2: At that point, it's also, how about you worry about your actual film? Like, don't. <laughs> your film is shitty. It has absolutely nothing to do with what Alicia Silverstone weighs or doesn't weigh. And right. If, like, she wasn't. So, she probably went from 100 to, like, 105. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> and even if she, it's just, okay.
0: That was not the problem with no, your it's movie, also, like I do
2: think that there is a bigger conversation to be had about. The physical demands that these types of films put on actors, Mm -hmm. male and female, because even we've now, like, we have this gross habit of celebrating, oh, look how jacked, you know, one of the Chris's had to get. To right. be Captain America or to be Thor. Or, or who was it
0: It was Kumail Nutra. Yeah,
2: it was like, oh, look at Kumail. Like, He's really, it's, it's like. it's Making just, a Marvel movie, right, so he got all like, jacked up. Because he fucking starved himself for <laughs> six months and is working out for 20 hours a day. Yeah. And, you know, if that's what that person wants to do to, like, achieve whatever look needs to be achieved for these roles, that's absolutely an individual choice. But the way that that becomes this, like, badge of honor of, like, mm-hmm. this is what you're actually doing is sort of. like it's not healthy to be to taking your body to those extremes in that way and we shouldn't be like we need to be talking about the fact that this is what we're asking people to do is and i'm sure they have trainers and nutritionists that do it in the in a way that's as healthy as possible but like bodies are not necessarily supposed to do that and i imagine it's particularly difficult for women who you have to be stick thin but also look believable that you can fight it's like some uh, (laughs) it's just i yeah
0: yeah all right. Hey, any anything else to say about Batman and Robin?
2: Why was Vivica Fox in this?
0: I don't. I don't. I don't know.
2: That was also like a nothing. That was
0: random. It was yeah. slightly
2: more than Coolio. Did she have a line? She did. Okay. She hit on Doctor Mister Freeze. <laughs> she was like, "Hey, but, I want to get warm with you." But he
0: gave her the cold shoulder.
2: <laughs> like Vivica, what was that check?
0: I think the previous movie, the the Val Kilmer one, had. Drew Barrymore and someone else as sort of the hangers-on of Two-Face,
2: mm-hmm.
0: his sort of gun malls. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that's how this was described to Vivica, but they that didn't was do not, anything with She had her. one
2: line and then she walked and away. It, and
0: it wasn't good when Drew Barrymore no. did it either. I mean, it wasn't a meaty role. Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing is just so bad. And we have been watching a lot of Drag Race, and that's all I could think watching this movie, is that it's like it's like a drag show. That's what this whole movie was like, including the terrible acting and the over-the-top costumes and the campiness. Yeah, it was so... I said while we were watching, I was like, however much you're hating this, I think it's more painful for me sitting through possible. this.
2: I don't think it's possible. <laughs> you chose this, I didn't.
0: I guess that's fair. Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about these. There's
2: nothing else to say. And I'm sorry that Alicia had to take so much abuse for what was For what not, was
0: not worth, it,
2: on <laughs> any worth level. it
0: I mean, I hope she got paid at the yeah. very least. That's all you can say. <laughs> so, uh, which which one did you enjoy more?
2: I mean, that's <laughs> by default the Tim Burton Michael Keaton version. Where,
0: where does the second one fall on the "so bad it's good" level? I don't think it's here's a uh, here's a quote from Kwame Opem at The Verge. There's a kind of sick thrill in watching a movie this bad. For me, Batman and Robin rest comfortably in the space where legendary bad films can be adored for how irretrievably awful they are, alongside the likes of Plan 9 from Outer Space and The Room. This is a special class of bad movie, the kind that, with time, lets you laugh at its mistakes like a drunk old friend. After a while, even the egregious has its charms.
2: Not for me,
0: no. No, no no charms, no, no. no enjoyment of how bad it
2: Perhaps was. Perhaps over time there will be...
0: Repeated viewings? <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: there will be no repeated viewings. Um, but maybe at some point I'll be like, oh yeah, that was maybe so silly. Maybe a year from now good. you'll make it'll a be, joke it. It'll be more than it. a year. It'll have to be more than a year. Um, I just, no, I'm not there with this one. <laughs>
0: I also agree with this from the same article. Most importantly, it took this movie for studios to start thinking about what could make a superhero movie actually work. Batman and Robin is a watershed moment because, while it did decently at the box office, it was a failure of legendary proportions among critics and fans. All the industry at large had to do after this cautionary outing was to do better. Yeah. And it did.
2: (laughs) It's a low bar. pretty So,
0: you know, on the spectrum of superhero movies, somebody has to be the low point against which you can say, well, it was bad. It wasn't as bad as Batman and Robin.
2: Sure, okay. (laughs) If that's a merit, alright.
0: That's our show. We want to thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of The Unenthusiastic Critic. Nakia, you've been a good sport the last few episodes and, you know, for years before that. Mm-hmm. What do you say we actually watch something good
2: this time? Is it actually good or do you Something do you that think you
0: it's might actually good? enjoy.
2: That would be a nice change.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to watch Yao Miyazaki's 2001 feature, Spirited Away cool. You have not seen any of the Studio no. Ghibli movies? I have
2: not. heard all so, good things, though. So, okay. So, I am looking forward to
0: that. So, we're, we're gonna try that, see how that works. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic and subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show, or suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. question. Okay.
2: There is a character named Venom, correct? Uh,
0: yeah, that's a Spider-Man villain.
2: Because when they were making Bane...
0: Yes, they were putting Venom.
2: Right. And yes. it looked like, oh, this is going to be Venom. That's not as it's Bane.
0: Right, because Venom is a whole different universe.
2: Okay, but that was confusing to me. <laughs> and then... You want to be
0: really confused? They made a Venom movie. <laughs>
2: That star Tom Hardy.
0: Th- that didn't start Tom yes. Hardy. That's right. That's where. Maybe I was that's
2: going. where I was like, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> so Tom Hardy played both bane and Venom.
2: Why was he wearing a chupacabra mask? Is that <laughs> what that's? No, called? that's not right. It's not right. <laughs> <laughs> <Lucha Libre. laughs>
0: what the fuck is a I, chupacabra? I think that's whatever you just did there. I think that's a hate crime. <laughs> that's absolutely kind. a hate
2: crime. I'm so sorry, Lucha, <laughs> <laughs> Lucha Libre mask. <laughs>